All right, we're going to bring this meeting back to order. All right, good evening. Welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. Uh, this is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our website at qac.org slash live or, in our, or on our television channel, BreezeLine channel 7 and High Definition channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org slash public comment. Citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. All comments received will be summarized during the press and public comment period on tonight's agenda. We acknowledge everyone's participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you do wish to speak, please sign up at the information table in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If you can remain standing for a moment of silence for our education system in the state of Maryland. Thank you. All right, folks, that brings us to um, the approval of this evening's agenda. So our, our agenda for tonight's meeting, February 13th, along with the regular session minutes from our January 23rd and our January 31st meetings have been circulated to the commissioners for review. Uh, are there any additions and or corrections? Uh, make a motion to add four additional uh, desk items dealing with uh, legislation support and opposition to the agenda. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. And a motion to uh, accept the agenda as amended and the minutes as submitted. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, so we just had a closed session under the General Provisions Article Section 3305B7 to consult with Council and Article 3305B1 to discuss uh, boards and commissions. And I believe we have a couple boards and commission appointments uh, to make. Uh, first, we have the Bike and Ped Committee. A Bike and Pedestrian Advisory Committee. I move to reappoint Nicholas Newell, Leslie Sandus, and Bob Zillig to, to fill the vacancies on the Bicycle and Pedestrian Committee. Their terms will expire February 28, 2027. Second. A motion is second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Next is Parks and Rec Advisory Board. I move to uh, appoint Barbara Dawson to fill the vacancy on the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board. This term will expire on December 31st, 2027. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, that brings us to our first press and public comment period. So 
We appreciate all citizens for taking time to express views to the county commissioners. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. Comments longer than three minutes may be submitted in writing. Uh, this commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone. State your name, your address, and your topic of interest. And in keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. All right, first on the list, Jay Falstead. Good evening, Commissioners. Jay Falstead, Queen Anne's Conservation Association. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak. I just wanted to bring something to your attention. I'm sure you're probably already aware of it, but um, just to make sure. Within the past two weeks, the General Assembly, or two bills have been introduced to the General Assembly. And the first one is House Bill 1407, and the second one is Senate Bill 685. These are two of the most reckless pieces of legislation that I think I've ever seen. They have the potential to dramatically impact a, a rural county like Queen Anne's. And I'll tell you what they both do, I'll just summarize them. In the rush to renewables, we now have legislation that seeks to put uh, wastewater treatment plants on farmland, waste to energy plants on farmland, including raw and treated uh, wastewater, all in the name of clean energy. If you didn't think that that was bad, then I get to Senator Augustine's Senate Bill 685, which seeks to now put some of these facilities on preserved farmland. And for all of the efforts that our county has done <coughs> to preserve farmland for the benefit of the future, these two bills undermine it in a major way. And what's particularly frustrating is we have urban policymakers now trying to dictate terms to rural counties. <coughs> and so um, I wanted to underscore that with you. I plan on a vigorously opposing both of these bills. I hope you will also. And for the benefit of the public that's watching, I really urge you to mark down these two bills and watch them carefully and watch how they navigate their way through the legislature. And uh, hopefully both will die a untimely <laughs> death. So thanks very much for the time. Thank you. <coughs> Leanne Rhodes. Hi guys, um, I'm Leanne Rhodes, a Queen Anne's County resident. I'm also the founder of Tides of Grace. We are a nonprofit here on the Eastern Shore. And first I just wanted to say thank you for embracing us. Um, with so much love and compassion since we started last year. We've been doing huge things on the shore. We serve about two to 300 people monthly um, throughout the Eastern Shore. Every month we have different drives where we allow the community to just come out with love and compassion, whatever item we're collecting, whether it's books and blankets or shoes, or this month it's baby items. And so the community donates their items they no longer need, and then we give it back out to the community for those in need. Um, so I just wanted to let anybody know if they are having a baby, anybody expecting a baby, anybody in need, this coming weekend on Saturday, we have a community baby shower where we have five trailers full of baby items that the community has graciously donated to us with cribs and bassinets and things that can be very expensive. And so 
the, we've invited everybody on the shore who needs a helping hand to come out. We're not an income-based nonprofit. It's literally helping hand, no questions asked. They come through, it'll be like a baby shower at the Chester Y on Saturday from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. Um, when they come out, they'll be embraced with, just like a baby shower, a backdrop to take pictures, um, free party favors, cupcakes, um, all kinds of goodies that are, we've partnered with different partnerships in the area to give out free diapers, and they'll be able to get a whole bag full of baby stuff for free, um, and then a big item like a crib or a bassinet, something like that. And then for our second year, coming the end of March, we're gonna have a pop-up prom boutique um, for the seniors throughout the Eastern Shore. So that was a huge hit last year where we offered free prom dresses for anybody who needed a free prom dress. It also ran like a fundraiser. So those who just wanted to come support us, we gave prom dresses out for $25, which helped us just keep our building going. We're all um, volunteer-based and nobody takes a salary with us, but it just helped keep our building going and funding and things like that. So we're gonna have that back actually in Centerville this year. So that'll be at the old YMCA, which is now Harvest Alliance. Um, so I'm excited for that. So if you have any seniors, start spreading the word if they want to come shop and get an affordable dress for prom or a free one, we're having that um, to offer them. But really, we just want to say thank you for the community for embracing us. We're excited to be here. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all who signed up. Would anybody else like to speak? Seeing none, we'll close press and public comment. Commissioners, that brings us to uh, the legislation uh, portion of our agenda this evening. So if you want to turn to um, tab number seven. And uh, first we have a comprehensive water and sewer plan. This is an informational meeting for the Fox Farm subdivision within the town of Sudlersville. And we have Public Works Director Alan Quimby. Is anybody coming for the applicant this evening? Kevin's here. Oh, okay. oh, all right. Kevin Sharon from DMS. So this is a proposal for a map amendment to request uh, our property located within the incorporated town of Sellersville from, uh, to change the sewer and water service designation from S3W3 to S2W2. This is uh, on the property to be known as Fox Farms. So I'll, um, and this is an informational <coughs> meeting. We'll have a public hearing in two weeks. So this is an opportunity to hear about the project and answer, ask and answer any questions you have about this proposal. As you can see in the uh, ad, parcel is 96 acres in size, predominantly agriculture. There's a small wooded area. Um, the proposal is to construct 98, up to 98 townhomes and 125 single-family lots. In order to proceed, they need to get the service area map designation changed from S3W3 to S2W2, which is the purpose of this amendment hearing. The flows are approximately 55,000, which is high conservative. And I can say that the, uh, the water and sewer plants have capacity to accommodate. Where's, where does that leave them in capacity after that, Alan? We were flowing about 75,000 on average. Um, when Barclay ties in, that'll be another 15 to 20,000. That'll be at 95, so you'd have a little bit over 100 left over. 100,000 over. What this would be, so about 45 after this? about 50,000 after this was, okay. yeah. 50 to 60,000. <clears throat> remember the last time we did one. Do we ever do one of these? Ever? Yes. That's been a long time. Yes, it has been. Wow. The last one you did was Wheatlands in Queenstown. 
What was it? Anybody have any questions? Comments? Can't be that easy. <laughs> well, give a brief rundown of what, what what's going on sure. here. Sure. Kevin Sharon, DMS Associates. Um, Alan uh, pretty much summarized it, but representing Fox Farms LLC, um, it's a as Alan said, about a 96-acre parcel just west of the Southersville Middle School. Uh, the town of Southersville has uh, granted preliminary and conditional uh, subdivision approval for the project. Um, so we are here seeking the map amendment. Actually, the public hearing will be in a couple weeks, uh, and then we'll be able to uh, get it, enter into a public works agreement with the town of Southersville. Townhomes or just all single family? It's uh, about 98 townhouses and 125 singles. So a total of 223 units. Jenny, uh, I, I might be jumping ahead here. What's the capacity about in Southersville Elementary School and the middle school? Do you know or have you gotten to that yet? Or We have not gotten to that, but uh, we, will, we will look into that. We're going to have information on that when we come back for the public hearing. I'm more concerned about the elementary and the middle. Okay. okay. If nobody else has any other questions, when when is the uh, hearing for this? I believe it's scheduled Two for weeks. February 28th. Yep. 27th, maybe. 28th. Two, Two weeks, weeks, yeah. Okay. Two weeks, yeah. yeah. Two weeks from today. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you all. All right, thank you, gentlemen. All right, commissioners, uh, the next item, actually the next uh, four items, we have a series of uh, county ordinances that our planning and zoning department prepared in concert with uh, Chris Drummond, uh, attorney. So first we have item number two on page three. That's county ordinance 24-01. This is uh, for non-water dependent structures on piers. I'll introduce that one. You got a little more than that. What, for 2401? Oh, it's. And this came back from the Planning Commission, so we're looking for uh, approval, introduction, and then we also are requesting uh, signature on a draft letter to, or a letter to the Critical Air Commission to forward county ordinances presented for consideration and approval as a local okay. uh, program refinement. I got it. I move to introduce and accept to approve County Ordinance 2401 as presented. I further move that through the execution of the draft, a letter to the Critical Area Commission that this ordinance be conveyed to the Critical Area Commission for its consideration and approval as a local program refinement. Second. A motion is second. Any discussion? Uh, i tell you what, uh, real quickly, Amy, you want to come up and, and just basically tell the public what 2401 is, just so everybody can get a, that's watching, can... Or anybody, whoever wants to come up and bring them you all. You might as well bring come them up all anyways, because there's more. Up. There's more to come. Okay. All right. Uh, some years ago, uh, or many years ago, the uh, Natural Resources article uh, uh, permitted uh, uh, what are called non-water dependent uh, structures on piers. Uh, and. Uh, this county has not updated its critical area uh, uh, program to reflect that provision in the natural resources article. Uh, and other counties have, and this is for 
outdoor seating for a restaurant on a pier, uh, which is obviously out the outdoor seating is not dependent on being adjacent to water. Um, uh, this would permit something like that. It would permit a small gazebo, for example, on a pier. Eight um, shop. Pardon? Eight shop. Exactly right. that. Um, uh, gas pumps. Right. Um, gas pumps in a little shed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, th that which might be called a houseboat on a lift that, uh, gets, used, <laughs> that gets used on weekends. All right. <laughs> that sort of thing. So this is updating what probably should have been updated a long time ago. In the context of all of the bills before you, uh, we're in the process of updating Chapter 14 and updating Chapter 18, but some of these issues are more pressing because of some actions at the state level and even as we'll get through the list at the uh, federal level where actions are being moved forward and citizens need us to come up to speed um, more quickly than the comprehensive update can actually occur. So these are really coming up to speed with some state and federal provisions um, that are prioritized. Anybody have any questions? All right, seeing none, uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All righty. You might as well stay there for the... All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number three is uh, county on pages 18 through 28 is County Ordinance 24-02. This is for camping cooperatives in the suburban residential zoning district. And this is to add um, camping cooperatives as a permitted use and bulk standards to include minimum site areas and setbacks in that zoning <coughs> district. This is for introduction. to introduce and schedule public hearing regarding County Ordinance 2402 Camping Cooperative and Suburban Residential Zoning District. Second. Do we need a second on these? Just the introductions? Just introductions. Just introductions. Yeah, just introductions. Just introductions on these, yeah. Okay. Next. Appreciate the support, though. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that was an easy one, camping. It is, and that's precipitated by uh, FEMA requirements. Uh, we do not have a provision to allow us to deal with the one campground that is in our county that is located in the floodplain. And that campground uh, is at varying levels of uh, legal nonconformity, and we don't have a means of processing building permits for them because our law has changed in terms of um, allowing campgrounds so we need this provision to come in line with the national flood insurance program and compliance with that program a, um, a step uh, that has been endorsed i suppose we might say by the local fema representatives so that we so that planning and zoning has a mechanism by which to issue permits for that which exists today that can be that can be approved um, so that uh, it comes off the uh, a list of non-conforming harbor. Non-conforming isn't the exact word, but uh, uses in the floodplain that require remediation. Ones that, that was based on the conform. audit that just took place. Yeah. And the ones that don't conform, would they just be non-conforming since they're already existing, or this allows us to have levels of compliance? So it's, it's there's, go ahead. It depends on the date because the law changed. Uh, that which was on the site from 80 something or other to 90 
96, as I recall, has certain standards, and then after 96, uh, to another date that I can't remember right now, has another set of standards, and then thereafter, she had a third set of standards. And we can't go back and, um, and uh, approve, if that's the right word, those varying levels without this amendment, because right now, everything's nonconforming, and maybe not even legally nonconforming. Mm. Help us to clean it up after many, many years, and that's what we need to do. Yeah. All right. Next up is uh, item number four on pages 29 through 42 is County Ordinance 24-03. This is for piers greater than 150 feet uh, requiring a variance. And this is to amend the section of the code to allow the Board of Appeals to grant variances for a pier to extend past 150 feet, which is now currently a conditional use application. And this is for introduction as well. I'll introduce it. Commissioner Corcoran is going to introduce 24-03. This is largely at the request of the Board of Appeals itself, um, which fields and has fielded, what is it, 42 or 44 peer extension requests over the last number of years? 20 years. Uh, in the last 20 years, so they get a couple every year. Um, and because it presently is characterized, the extension beyond 150 feet, as a conditional use, um, conditional use standards apply, uh, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because 150 feet is a what we call a bulk standard. It's like a 15-foot setback from a side yard, 150 feet length. So many, a house can't be greater than so high. Uh, and if you want to modify a bulk standard, because of something peculiar on your property, you seek a variance. Um, and the Board of Appeals has correctly suggested that the conditional use standards should not apply to peer extensions. It's, they're better suited for variances, and I think Which is the harder process, a conditional use or a variance? Harder to successfully prove? Yes. Variance by far. So. It'll be more onerous to get a longer pier if you go to a variance. Yes. Okay. I don't think, of the 40 some that have been proposed over the last 20 years, I think they've all been approved. Yes. At, at issue with the, with the board's contemplation of these conditional use cases is that over time, the lengths of these requests have become um, longer and longer. So, where there used to be peer requests for extensions to you know, 200 feet. At times, we're seeing them be well beyond 300 or close to 500 feet. So that level of encroachment into the water body under the conditional use standards um, doesn't give the Board of Appeals that room to contemplate you know, what is unique about this situation and about this water body that would facilitate needing a pier at that length, which has a greater impact in the community um, than, say, a 200-foot pier. There's likely to be some opposition to this proposal. So when it comes, I'm just curious: is it become an issue of navigable water uh, from the pier, from what size bridge you get? I'm just curious to see some of these. You only got 40 of them. I'm just curious if you would give us a synopsis of 
what has been the reasoning behind them all. Just so I can, I mean, for my own Get benefit, I'd like to Get to deeper water? That's, 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 that's usually, usually and, that, and that's what I'd like to see. I mean, I don't want to restrain people if it's. The issue you know. of navigation is not one for the county. The issue of the, uh, navigable, uh, impediments to navigation are within the jurisdiction of the Corps of Engineers. Corps of Engineers. Yeah, I get that, but I'm talking um, about depth And the, so. the Maryland Department of the Environment issues permits for piers. Um, and that's because the state of Maryland is interested in the waters of the state of Maryland and the dirt below the water, which is owned by the state. And we're driving pilings into the state property. Right. So that's why they issue permits. The counties, we're not alone in limiting the length of piers. Most, many counties do. Not all, but many. Uh, and the thought process that we've come up with for why this is not unusual is that piers, because they attach to land, become part of the land and therefore counties have authority, land use authority over them. And piers are accessory. They're accessory to the primary residential use. When does a pier, when is a pier not accessory anymore when it's 500 feet long uh, to accommodate somebody's mega yacht? I mean, that's the rationale for why counties regulate length. There comes that transition period where is this a residential use or is a boat that needs this depth of water better suited to support our marine industry? That's kind of the conversation uh, that the board grapples with. The, the, the Planning Commission did receive some testimony uh, uh, not in favor of this amendment, um, and I think you'll probably hear from some others. Good. One more. All right, our last uh, bill this evening is uh, item number five on pages 43 through 59, County Ordinance 2404, uh, Cannabis Regulation in Queen Anne's County to amend the existing provisions for medical cannabis, licensed grower, processor, and dispensary to include recreational cannabis. And this will essentially make uh, recreational cannabis uh, commensurate with medical cannabis, and, um, and also it will prohibit on-site consumption of cannabis in any of these uh, facilities. I move to introduce County Ordinance 24-04 as an emergency bill and to schedule a public hearing accordingly. And this one is, is no secret. Uh, thank you. I've been driving you guys nuts about this. I, I know that and I appreciate all the hard work you've put into this and all the other ones because, uh, you know, you've, you've gone from the comp plan straight into the updates and straight into the phone ringing and saying we need this we need this so you know and this this is a bill that could very well just get trampled by the state mm -hmm. but we've got to start somewhere we was you know we we've done zoning for solar we've done zoning for uh, medical cannabis and this is just another layer that I, I recommended that we just copy what our medical cannabis is and the, the, what we're hearing coming from the state is more than likely it's gonna be 500 feet, not 1,000 feet, and, and some other things, but that's okay. But, you know, I think we need to start somewhere because, you know, I think, what, I think Queen Anne's County right now has more liquor stores per capita, 
per capita than anywhere else in the state. But the bill you're talking about is actually worse than that because it actually makes it you cannot restrict well, the, the dispensaries store. more than you restrict a liquor store. Well, there so you go. You so you can have as many as you do liquor stores. Right. So yes. Our state's headed in a direction that's I'm not happy with, but you know we'll give it a shot and we'll see what happens here and you know maybe we'll get challenged in court and go down in flames, but at least. You know, somebody will, will, will step on fighting. I would point out that the Liquor Board did pass a, a rule a couple of years ago at the request of some of the liquor license holders on Kent Island limiting the new, new licenses uh, in the 4th Election District to X number per population. So there probably won't be any new ones on Kent Island in the 4th Election District anytime soon, unless the population who, who, explodes. Who, who's currently overseeing the cannabis operations in the county? Pardon me? Anybody in the county? Any department? Yeah, Centerville. Which one in Centerville? Oh, so the town of Centerville. Right. I mean, but they, hold, they hold a medical. <laughs> they, they were successful in getting a medical marijuana license. The legislation that is passed uh, essentially, uh, not essentially, Thanks. permits all the medical marijuana license holders to sell recreational marijuana without any additional licenses. So they are now able to sell recreational marijuana. That being said, and they may very well be looking for a, a site in the county. That being said, this ordinance, how many other locations in the county, not outside of municipalities, would this allow for? The that study was done by when we adopted the medical marijuana uh, uh, legislation, and there was a, a map. It was like I eight thought it was like five. I thought it was more than that. I thought I've it was like been eight. Updating it with uh, GIS and trying to contemplate, you know, refine it as well. So we're but there was, I've forgotten how many. I think it was six or eight. At that yeah. point, there was 17 so, yeah, locations so. for dispensaries. I how think. many? 17. 17. I think it was that many. Oh, the UC district along the along the highway. Mm -hmm. Okay, but. But so my question is, um, you know, looking further down the road when we start seeing these dispensaries pop up in county jurisdiction, obviously planning and zoning like they would for any business would have would have to manage that component of it. But once they're open, who what department in the county would manage those like we have our liquor board manages our liquor stores and uh, holds them in compliance. I think that's going to be up to the newly uh, created. Uh, alcohol, uh, tobacco, and cannabis commission, which is at the state level. See, see unlike, unlike liquor, cannabis is state. You don't have state liquor stores like you do in Virginia. No. Right. Here, cannabis is a state okay. property. It's not okay. local like we have our liquor stores. Gotcha. For now, I think and Stephanie could explain it better, but the way the licenses will be issued are specifically limited per jurisdiction. So if you want to describe yeah. that. So there's, there's two type, different types of licenses. There's a standard license for a processor, grower, and dispensary, and then there's a micro license for a processor, grower, and dispensary. And the state has outlined the number that each county or region can receive. So by a standard license dispensary, the county can receive one, and that's the entire county, including the one new municipalities. One. one new one. One new one, yes. Right. For one year, and then... For, for this, this round that, that has... a the applications have gone in. There'll be another round, I believe, late spring. Um, but that processing of that obviously hasn't. 1,700 applications yet. in right now. Yeah. Statewide. They did break down how many applications uh, were submitted to each, to, in regards to each county in each 
classification yeah, of the many, license. How many growers and processors on the Eastern Shore? Isn't there only so, one? Yeah, growers and processors are broken down a little different. They're not by county, they're by region. So we're in the Eastern Shore region. Pretty much it's just the entire um, Eastern Shore. But it's four growers and eight <coughs> processors oh, okay. for the entire Sure, but that's only the standard license. For the micro license, which is basically what it is, it's you're capped at like a limit that you can process or you know sell. So there's two dispensaries, and this is for the entire shore, not just the county. Six processors and six growers. Right now. No, right now. this is new licenses that will be that'll be issued. Mm -hmm. Okay, but it's not. That's not end all be all. That's right. not where they yes. There'll be another so way. also part of that bill that Jim's talking about, I don't know if you guys have weighed in on it about the outdoor growing versus the indoor, because they're, they're pushing that for in the order outdoor to treat grow. Like hemp, I think is yeah. what you're So what about. is our hemp law? We treat it as agriculture. Okay, so it's basically Wild Wild West, they could put it anywhere. Okay, that's what so I was afraid of. Eight. June 30th of last year, so the, you can't really do anything about it. It had to be your law as of June 30th last year to have any say over that so but we can still zone security and all around it because I just see it being you've got open marijuana fields come on and I've been been chatting with not gonna be hard to figure that out yeah. you don't have to put the hops in the water together you just go out dry it and smoke it so since I mean yeah. we're trying to get to the bottom of if there's any building code requirements in regards to these facilities. I know, and that's what I wanted to see if you guys had looked into For, yet after you saw that. Vivian and she's been looking into okay. it as well. Because it doesn't sound like the state's going to allow for any of it. It sounds like this bill is all encompassing that. It's you got to let it happen. Because it's, and my understanding is it's a million dollars to do it open air, but it's $20 million capital up, you know, out front to do it in enclosed, the yeah. enclosed. So a it's, it's a lot, it's a big difference. Doesn't help you really with the smell, so Centerville. No, because, no, right. it doesn't. Yeah. That's yeah. the whole so point. Is there like, we were asked about: uh, Is there any way to regulate smell? Yeah, <laughs> pine trees in front of the fans where they're blowing it out. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not sure that, at least from a land use perspective, there's much we can do about smell. Um, no, you can't because you can't do it for chicken houses. You can't do it right. for uh, the renderings that go on the farms. I mean, there's, you can't do anything. I knew a lot of guys in college that were really good at covering up the smell. Like just saying, <laughs> I think we need options out there. Maybe an incense factory. The question is whether it's characterized. Big Febreze factory. Characterized as ag, process, ag production. Right. Is it part of the right to farm? Right. Oh yeah. No. In, I, in which case, you know, you can't. You get smells when you farm. I get it. And others. Yeah. What are other municipalities and counties doing to restrict it? Um, nothing. No. Because no. you can't. <laughs> I mean, what, what, put it this way, Patrick. It, this, let, let whatever they do is going to get preempted eventually. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Most. Uh, I, there are some jurisdictions that are following the state limitations, which, which are less restrictive than the bill you have in front of you. There's 500 feet from Thousand. schools, daycares, right. libraries, and, and churches are not in no. presently, but they're in okay. one of the bills. The new one. One, yeah, one, one of the bills this year is to put it's places actually in that one. back in. It's we're talking about. So it's in 500 there. feet. No restriction, no setbacks from residences, such as are in the bill that you have. Um, so some counties are just following the state requirements other counties are making statements and some 
the towns that I'm familiar with so far haven't, most of the towns that I represent, all the towns I represent haven't adopted anything yet, but are going along, along the lines that we're talking about here. One or two zoning districts, and then with the setbacks. Does the state bill specifically say municipalities or counties cannot opt out? It specifically says that? Municipalities can what? Opt out. Cannot opt out. Cannot restrict zoning. That bill they already cannot. passed. No. A lot of the small towns are happy that churches are going back in because there's a lot of churches. <laughs> but the bill we're talking about that Jim's talking about, it, it stomps on all of it. <laughs> what we're doing right now, it'll stomp on that. So. Yeah, we'll see if somebody's got a challenge. So. Yeah, until someone proposes something that is contrary to this bill if you adopt it, right. um, but within what the state would permit. Well, state still may amend it. It hasn't made its way through. Let's see whether that, they, whether that unduly burdens the use, because that's the standard. Right, um, exactly. I don't know what's going to happen up and down Route 50. You're going to have big old neon signs everywhere. It's not the image I think the county should have. So. These but companies can't hire anyone under 21, right? Well, thank you very much. Again, thank you for all your hard work in, in getting these all to us. I think we got one more left to do, but that's okay. You know, we'll, we'll get to that one too. But appreciate all the, the hard work you, you, you guys have been doing. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Commissioners, that brings us to the uh, presentations portion of our meeting this evening. And uh, first up. A pleasure to introduce Janet Salazar, the director of our Queen Anne County Library System. She's got a presentation up on the screen here, and it's also in your book under tab number six, uh, pages one through 11. So Janet, come on up. Do you have anybody uh, with you this evening? By yourself tonight? Sorry, I didn't hear what you just said. I didn't know if you had anybody else with you this evening to, for, your, for your update, but the floor is yours. Go ahead. Alrighty. Good evening, commissioners. Thank you for your time this evening. I'm just here to tell you a little bit about what the library has been doing over the last year. Um, and I think we've had a pretty good year. I think we all were there for this. So thank you all for our lovely building. Um, it kind of opened after FY23 was over, but we still like this picture. So um, we did a lot and we did a lot because our community supports us. Our friends, the Queen Anne's County Library support us and our commissioners support us. So we really thank you for all of your support. And with all of that, we have been doing pretty good with our circulation of materials. Overall, we've had a 2% increase, which isn't like a huge amount, but it's not a decrease. And for a very long time, we were on the decrease just in libraries in general throughout the United States. So it's nice to see it coming back up. But our biggest increase has been in digital materials, um, just 10% over last year's figures. and. I just thought you might want to know what our most popular ones were through our Hoopla app, which is um, an audiobook was just the nicest couple, which is a thriller um, for adults. That was the most requested and most checked out book, audiobook. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, which just made me laugh because I'm like, really, Harry Potter after all this year? Harry Potter's one of my favorite books. Um, in the eBooks, again, um, The Perfect Marriage, which was an adult book, um, just about a marriage. 
as you can imagine. But again, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was also the most requested checked out item on our Hoopla app. Movie-wise, there was a movie called Eiffel, which is about the person who built the Eiffel Tower. Um, and Leap, which is about becoming a ballerina that, uh, that was checked out by children. Physically, in our, in our libraries, the most, the most checked out item for adults was the last thing he told me. And the most checked out thing for youth was Young, Our Dog Man Unleashed, which is one of my grandson's favorite books. So. And the DVD was Jurassic World Dominion. So there you go. That's what people are checking out of the library this last year. Um, with the opening of the new part of the Kent Island branch, we saw a 19% increase in program attendance. Um, that was partly due to the Kent Island and partly due to the launch of our mobile library. Some of our really popular programs were our seed swap and garden day, which had over 100 people come in and get seed swaps. That was done in partnership with the Master Gardeners. We had a tiny art showcase. We had about 60 people come to that. And then we had little hand signing where they taught children how to do sign language. And we had almost 200 children go through that program. So those are all really popular programs. But as you can see, um, overall, we've had an increase in our programs and attendance. Um, the Whale Mobile and Reptile Wonders are always really popular with the kids as well. This was just some of the customer feedback we got, which always makes me, makes my heart warm because I think libraries um, exist for their community and I think these say that. That first one, forever grateful for the joy I get when I step into the library doors, I enter with a smile and leave with a warm heart, is pretty much my everyday. So I'm glad other people feel that way about the library because that's certainly how I feel about the library. And um, the one where they talked about the Dolly Parton Imagination Library and getting their first book, that is still a very popular program, and we do appreciate the commissioners funding it in our operating budget. Thank you for the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. Statistics-wise, we have had a almost 40% increase in visitors to the library since we opened the Kent Island, the new part of the Kent Island branch. Um, and there has been a 150% increase in meeting room use because every single one of those small group study rooms is being used every single day. So. Our, our branches are busy, and our meeting rooms are busy, and if you ever walk into the library, you will see a bunch of people just going about their business in the library. Over the last year, we've done a few things. We always start our fiscal year right in the middle of summer reading. So summer reading for fiscal year 23, we had about 2,300 people register for summer reading. We had 153 programs and about 3,600 participants of those programs. Our mobile library was launched in November, and in the first three weeks that it was on the road, 179 people actually visited our, our mobile library. In March of last year, we had Family Fun Night, which 85 people attended, but it was also a prom dress giveaway. Um, 100 dresses were donated. We gave 70 away, along with some shoes and other things. And um, that program has been nominated for the Maryland Library Association's Project of the Year. So we're just waiting to hear. Pretty sure we're going to get it, but you know, you never know. So um, that's good. And we also participated in the laptop giveaway, the Queen Anne's County Free Laptop Program. Libraries were a distribution site, and 175 laptops have been distributed through the library. So we've been busy. Partnerships are everything. So for our mobile library, 
the first year we were on the road, it has driven 9,400 miles, lent out about 3,000 items, and in the first year it presented 12 programs. We had to wait to start our programs till we had two people, and about 725 people attended those programs. We partner with our migrant education program, our duty centers, our senior centers in senior housing, <laughs> and um, Queen Anne's County Parks and Rec. So. Uh, that is continuing to go strong. We're adding stops all the time. And um, the one thing I hear probably more than how nice my staff is is how much people appreciate the mobile library being out and about. So um, we appreciate all of that. These are our friends of the Queen Anne's County Library. These are the, some of the things that they have funded for us over the last year. They always fund summer reading. Um, they give us volunteers to help with registration and t-shirt distribution. They gave us money for the mobile library. They gave us money for a main collection at our Kent Island branch. And they always support our Guys Read program, which is where we have volunteers go in and read a book with fourth grade boys in all of the elementary schools so that the young boys can see men modeling reading behavior because that's about the time that we start losing yeah. readers. So. If you want to volunteer, let us know. I did. We're all actually, for them. I actually did do it when the program first rolled out. And it's, it's a pretty yep. nice program. It's a great program. So what's coming up next for us? We have a library kiosk that will be installed most likely end of March timeframe. Um, it's going to go up in Crumpton Park in the parking lot up there. And it's we called it library on your schedule because you'll be able to pick up any library book anytime that you're there with your library card. Um, our makerspace is going strong. We've had to increase the hours ever since it's open. So now it is, there are hours every day that we are open that you can be in the makerspace and we're looking to expand those hours as well. We're expanding our volunteer program. We do have the guys read. We're hoping to start having our story time on wheels back out on the road sometime in April. And then we'll always be just looking for other volunteer opportunities. We're at the very end of our strategic planning and the board should be voting on our new plan at the end of this month. And we're also looking for a North County branch, just what y'all wanted to hear, another library branch. Um, but that is also in part of our strategic plan is to get a, a branch in the North County. We're also in the process of rebranding as well, so you'll be hearing a little bit more about that. And that's pretty much it. I just kind of wanted to thank you all for your support of public libraries, and I appreciate all you do for us. So that's my whole presentation. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Janet. Good to see you. All right, our next presentation is uh, Ms. Kathy Willis, the Director of Community Services. So she has her team with her this evening, and uh, her presentation is in your book, item number two. Uh, pages 12 through 23 under tab 6, and she also has it up on the screen here for the audience. Good evening. Thank you for having us, and I just want to mention that Janet's also an active participant member of the Commission on Aging, so we have a good partnership there. Um, we wanted to start this evening with um, our annual report, which is for FY23, to show you our accomplishments and some future challenges and goals that we're going to be working on. So obviously when we're doing this, um, I give credit to my team that creates 
all of these programs and services for the individuals we, were, we serve in Queen Anne's County. Um, Mike Clark is my Chief of Housing and Family Services. Ann Sparks is my Chief of Aging and Transportation. And I have a few <coughs> folks in the, the audience. I have Steve Palmer, uh, the Transit Administrator, Ann Van Benchoten, the Community Care Administrator, and Stacy Voorhees, the um, Senior Center Administrator. So I want to thank all of them for being here with us. Um, we couldn't do any of this without all of them. So um, we'd like to start with Area Agency on Aging News over the fiscal year 23. So Annie will start with that and give us some information on what's been going on. Thank you, Kathy. So a few of the programs we wanted to highlight from FY23 for the Community Care Division, uh, one being the Home Delivered Meals Program, which with some help of some grant funding helped us to reach 14,749 program meals um, to the participants in that program. Uh, the Ombudsman, which advocates for residents of nursing homes and assisted living facilities, was able to go back to in-person visits and assisted 141 individuals. Our Farmers Market Program, which is each July of the fiscal year, uh, did 400 Farmers Market checks and they had a redemption rate of 95.8%, which was the highest percentage in, in the state of Maryland. And why that is important, it helps us sustain the amount of checks that we get year to year. So we are grateful to the participants of the program that use those checks and the staff, um, and Bam Benchoten and the community care division that worked in that program. Then next up, we have our senior centers. And in FY23, we continued to get back to normal with things, bring back the events of Spring Fling, Holiday Gala, which you're all fans of and some bus trips started, which they went to Western Maryland Scenic Railroad and American Music Theater's Christmas show. And we usually take the winter months off for those trips just with weather, so the planning is currently going on for the 2024 trips. How do you plan those trips? I mean, is, are, 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 are um, aging community comes up with some ideas of where they wanna go? Mm -hmm. Is there yes. a separate committee from separate from staff that that kind it, of pull the members? It is. Mm -hmm. Yes, the senior center membership gives the ideas to the senior center uh, managers, and then from there it it creates a list of ideas, and and from there the planning happens. Mm -hmm. The Congregate Meals Program and the Senior Centers saw over 5,700 meals served in the Senior Centers for fiscal year 23. And of course, the monthly senior center events continued and offered fresh conversations in the Dash Plus program, which offers health education, uh, nutrition education classes for the members. And then next up with County Ride, as you know, in 2023, uh, we were free for all rides um, and we almost nearly doubled the ridership for 2023. As you can see in the bar chart there, you will have total ridership on the left-hand side, followed by the door-to-door -door and fixed route ridership. So that leaves a total of around 28,000 rides for 2023. 
So we did tell people to ride free in 23, and we're telling them to do it some more in 24, <laughs> as we are free again for 2024. <laughs> and lastly, before we move on from aging and transportation, I did want to mention our Senior Summit, which is coming up in May again this year. It is on May 17th from 9 to 2 at the 4-H Park once again. And our theme this year is the 60s, so it would be really groovy if we see you all there. And I will turn it over to Mike. All right, uh, talking about the uh, housing division within the Department of Community Services, we, we break our housing division into three units. The first unit is the homeless prevention unit. And in fiscal year 23, we, um, well, we, a couple of our key things, we looked at about 60 literally homeless individuals or 23 families that we were able to rehouse and work on through the month. And then also we're trying to keep people from being homeless. So we were able to assist 132 families or, uh, 50, or 132 individuals or 56 families. Um, and then of course, we have a big event with, and you've heard and seen the Make a Difference Day event that we have up in Southersville is always a huge success with lots and lots of participants and volunteers that make that a success. <laughs> so the next uh, unit we have is the Affordable Workforce Housing Unit, and that is just like I said, I'm trying to find affordable and workforce housing. Um, the picture there was when we asked for permission, it was enthusiastically given to us by Christian and Sarah Shields and their baby Adelaide. And they received a revolving loan so that they can get their first house for their family right here in Centerville. He's an he's a employee at Paul Reed Smith and she's a teacher at Lighthouse Christian. She works there, and um, rumor has it, and she didn't seem to be upset about us sharing this either, is there might be a fourth Shields on the way, which as a, as a statistics guy, that makes our number go up by 25% for who we served in that loan. So we're very excited. I'm very, we're very excited for different reasons. Um, Additionally, with that, that, in that same division, the Affordable Workforce and Housing Unit, they also oversee the Community Development Block Grant. And that is a huge opportunity for Queen Anne's County because, um, and the reason it's an opportunity for Queen Anne's County, we identified as CDBG, is because it's also a big pain. It's hard to do and it's a trouble to do and um, it takes a lot of work. We have to spend a lot of your time. We have to have specific uh, hearings in front of you. We take your time to go over things. We have one in two weeks in front of you to go over three different grants that we'll be talking about. But the opportunity for Queen Anne's County is that in this division, we've been able to get it so that we can get it nice and streamlined so that we learn all the things that need to happen from the start to the finish and all the I's that gotta get caught, dotted and T's crossed. And not only are we learning it, there's, we're getting huge support from folks at the Department of Public Works in the aging division, um, we're getting it in the business and tourism office. Just everybody's starting to really become aware. So now that because this is a big pain, there's a lot of counties that aren't going to want to go after it, and we're in good shape to go after that. So that in this case, you can see where we've you know just in we bought in eight eight hundred and eight hundred thousand. We did on three different projects over the last year. That's projects that we got done that weren't county taxpayers paying, and we want to keep. Keep that going. Can I stop you there for a second, Mike? Sure. The, the Southernsville Middle School uh, Adaptive Use Fe Feasibility Study. But what came out of that? That was the one um, uh, Becky Clark and they did out of the Department of uh, Economic Development and Tourism. Uh -huh. So we can get you a copy of the final study if you'd like. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's. 
that was, that was one of those things where they asked for the funds and we supported, we did the paperwork and they did the legwork on the side of it. But yeah, I can definitely make sure you get a copy. So that's, that in general, we also help with home delivered meals, funds, and we got, we did some, initially did some uh, rental assistance, which turned out to be a little too difficult. And we got some funding that was a little more flexible to put in that place. And we're also doing some renovations out at Foxtown. So, and then, the next, the, the last uh, unit that we have in, the, uh, in our housing division is the livability and rehabilitation unit. And that's where we're dealing specifically mostly with low income uh, often and most often senior citizens who are homeowners, but they're just barely making it and they have a hard, you know, just barely able to live in their homes and they'll often need a lot of work to keep it safe and livable and they don't have those funds. So this helps them and then this, in this particular program, we use county money that's often generously donated, or not donated, but put in the budget that we often use in, as loans if we have to, and then we can reuse the money as the loans get paid off. But the loans are zero interest, just like most of our loans, zero interest, no payback until they sell their house. Additionally, we get state grants that we go after to help support that. So in state grants, we were able to assist 10 homes with emergency repairs and uh, four special loans in the amount of $66,000 on one and about $75,000 on the other. Um, that, those pictures, the before and after, it doesn't look that much different other than aesthetics in that picture, but I will tell you, if you crawled underneath the house, you would see a huge difference because the floor was falling in and the floor joists there have been totally replaced so that we don't have a senior walk in on a floor that bounces and could potentially go through due to water damage. So, and um, just as a spoiler alert, so if we're back here in next February making the same report, I think that um, programs and other uh, projects in this loan are going to be a lot even more because you getting any kind of cooperation from local contractors that, that want to help out, uh, maybe contribute uh, their time and not necessarily materials, but their time to do the work. They, our local contractors are excellent, and they, um, what they'll do and where they really come in is a lot of our, our customers and our folks sometimes forget that these funds are they're being helped and that we're there for safety, and they'll come in and they'll work with them, and then um, they'll start wanting these little specific little things. Extras. Yeah, little extras that they hadn't <laughs> talked about, and the contractors, for the most part, are very patient. Also, a lot of our customers sometimes may be dealing with mental health issues and are a little harder than your typical customer to deal with. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, and that's not their job. That's like our right. job. That's not their right. job. And they, right. they handle it very well. I'm like, sometimes they describe what they do and I'm like thinking I would never put up with that. And they, they do well. So yeah, we're, we're very fortunate that we have not only talented contractors, but patient ones too, Good. for the most part. So then in the next thing of what I do um, is our local management board. We uh, get a lot of funding from, uh, from outside of the county for our programs, and we are awarded um, $438,000 for our community partnership agreement, where we're able to maintain multiple programs uh, from early childhood into youth mentoring and things like that. We also have been working um, with transportation voucher program where we were able to develop and use some state funds for to help with that. Our county ride is a huge help with that. The ride for free has been a great contribution to help with that program too. Um, you're aware when the, the Ms. Salazar from the library brought up the Chromebook laptops. We've been working on that and she was 
and the library has generously been one of the folks that help us distribute those laptops. And we are, we've distributed about, or we either have distributed or have in the works 743 of those and uh, going and we've gotten permission from the state to keep trying and have got plans to try to get more of those out quickly, hopefully. Does that end? That was supposed to end in December and we've got an extension through June. Yeah, another six, yeah, five, six months, yes. And then lastly, our local care team is there for parents to meet with, uh, uh, meet with folks, professionals in the community that are oftentimes parents who are having kids that are going through difficult times or feeling lost, frustrated. The care team's there to help them find their way and connect them with the right people. So there's some of the big things that have happened for us in the last fiscal year. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that um, we don't always talk about on these venues that I think are very important are the future challenges and goals of the department. Um, we have, we've seen a lot of changes, of course, over the past four years. We received uh, over $3 million in COVID funding during this time uh, to be expended. Um, all of it will be expended in FY24, at the end of FY24, ultimately causing us to return to pre-pandemic funding. Uh, we saved a lot of county dollars. We added additional services, and now's the time to to maintain those services. Of course, we don't want to go backwards. So, um, we are currently facing already have a wait list for the home delivered meals program. That's something we don't like to generally have. So, I will inform you that that will be an enhancement coming for FY25 because we want to try to serve everybody that's eligible. It's not very expensive. Um, and it's very worthwhile because the, the goal of everything that we're doing in all departments, all divisions of this department are to maintain families, maintain them at home and do everything we can so that they don't end up institutionalized or family separated or, you know, there's, there's a lot. We have grandparents raising grandchildren um, and uh, adults taking care of their parents and then trying to raise their children <coughs> at the same time. So it's a challenging time. Um, the governor signed a new order called the Longevity Ready Maryland Initiative. That is having the Maryland Secretary of the Department of Aging look at examine all aspects and opportunities for leveraging resources across aging, housing, um, health, Department of Social Services, all of those programs, and trying to inform policy so that we can plan together very, very much similar to what we do in the Department of Community Services. We're combining efforts to provide for families overall, generally. So um, this will also help the Maryland Department of Aging address the needs of, we have a booming, booming population of, of older adults. So um, all of that, it's prioritizing all of these needs. So they're starting with a $300,000 grant to start their studies and look at what the agencies can do together. So we're looking forward to that because it will benefit us locally in the long run. Um, also, this year, Annie mentioned earlier that um, Ride for Free, and, and of course you all know that the Maryland Department of Transportation gave us back the money they thought they were gonna take away, so we're very excited about that. But at this point, the MDOT is also going to begin allocating funding based on ridership, and that will be the first time in our history. We are traditionally grant funded in all aspects based on formulas 
and population data. So, you know, our county versus a large county always gets this very small share. With our ability to base it on ridership and our ability to, as, as the statistics show, doubling ridership over the past year, we're looking very forward to hoping that we get, you know, a higher portion of that funding as opposed to just based on a generic population funding. So, um, so looking forward to that. And um, Mike had an update on the local management board as well. In well, we were lucky to have, our, our board was working very hard to get a new state department that just was there for governors off for children. And um, that went away under the last administration where we were kind of lumped in with the old governor's office of crime control and prevention. And we lobbied pretty hard to get a specific department back, the governor's office for children. And the governor about, a, a, well, maybe it's a couple weeks ago now, announced an executive order establishing the governor's office for children and uh, announced a special secretary just for that department, Carmel Martin. Um, I believe she lives right here on the shore down in Talbot County. So um, that's, that's pretty good. For, so we're hoping that'll be good for the local manager boards. And the final note is just to say that the legislative advocacy that we do, aside from our daily routines, um, is very essential this time of year. Um, the, the, the state budgets, you know, the fact that Mike spent time lobbying for the governor's office for children to, to return, um, giving them autonomy. Also, our Maryland Department of Aging, I've, I'm pretty sure I told you last year, we were very excited to have a new secretary. And many of, you know, if you look at the cabinets across the state, you have a pretty stellar group in there that have experience and background and education in the departments they're running, um, as opposed to, you know, just being an appointment for a position. So all of the, the um, state cabinet level groups are, are very fortunate at this time. We will continue to uh, submit testimony on issues of, of concern to us. Um, I have already supplied multiple testimonies for issues on the aging front. Mike is testifying next week for an issue on the local management board front. These are things that kind of don't, you know, maybe aren't written in what we do, but this is something that we do as an advocacy statewide, and it's essential. So we look forward to it. Um, we're always going to advocate for our populations and for the funding that we receive in Queen Anne's County. And uh, we appreciate very much all of the funding that you provide to us, because without that, we couldn't, we couldn't operate on these smaller grants that we receive. But um, so we appreciate that and just wanted to thank you and give you a little update for the new year. And, um, I think it's important, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention your efforts to go after every single penny of grant money that's, that's available. Um, I know you guys work hard to try to get those grants, figure out how we can qualify for them, um, so that doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thursday morning. See you there. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Mike. Thank, thank you. you. And Annie, thank you very much. All right, Commissioners, we do have one more presentation, but I would like to go a little out of order here this evening. Um, if you turn to tab number three, item one, I'd like to ask uh, Melinda Ray. I, I know she has some guests here this evening to come on up. We have the Character Counts Spotlight for February 2024. And this is... Um, um, 
to honor the Queen Anne's County branch of the NAACP. Mm. So there is a item in your book, Sam. <laughs> Belinda, come Please. on. Yeah. You guys have the little spiel. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys come, come on up? up, folks. Come on up. Please come up. Join us. <clears throat> Folks been waiting very patiently here this evening for us, so come on up. Yeah, please. <laughs> you don't need to, no. You can if you want to, though. Welcome to you want to get comfortable. Yeah, please sit down, yeah. All right. <laughs> We've been sitting long yeah. enough already. <laughs> So yeah, so um, I'm so excited. I don't usually get to meet our honorees in person, so I'm really excited um, that they were able to make it tonight. Um, it is um, February. It is the month of respect is our pillar, and I thought there was no more fitting um, honoree this month than our local chapter of the NAACP. Um, and I want to thank Doreen um, Fassett for nominating them. So you guys have the little speech. Sure. I don't know who's reading it Can this we month. Read it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Character counts. Pillar celebrated in February is respect. This pillar is both given and received, and at its core is simply treating others the way you would want to be treated. Our honoree this month was founded on that same principle. The Queen Anne's County branch of the NAACP, Chapter 7024, is committed to a world without racism, where all citizens are respected enjoy equitable opportunities, can live in thriving communities that are engaged, and have supportive policies and institutions for all people. They envision an inclusive community rooted in liberation where all people can exercise their civil and human rights peacefully and without discrimination. They stand for being considerate and courteous of all other citizens and their feelings, always using good manners and being accepting of differences. To accomplish their goal, the QAC NAACP works collaboratively and respectfully with schools, municipalities, local government, and the greater community within Queen Anne's County, fostering respect through mediation and advocacy. The Queen Anne's County NAACP has, was nominated by Dorian Fassett. She wrote respect, she, excuse me, she wrote quote, Respect, one of the pillars of Character Counts program, which seeks to transcend cultural, religious, and social economic differences, is a shared ethical value between Character Counts and NAACP, end quote. You can find out more about the Queen Anne's County Character Branch of the NAACP, Chapter 7024, by visiting the Character Counts website at www.peopleofcharacter.org or by following Character Counts of Queen Anne's County on Facebook. As always, if you, if you are aware of a business, nonprofit, or individual in the county exemplifying one or all of the six pillars of character, be sure to nominate them for a future spotlight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Jim. Jim. He's not here. Oh, no. Okay, well, welcome anyway. So any of you guys can take this. Let's do a picture. Thank you so much. Did you guys want a picture? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
going to be able to get everybody in? Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for waiting around. Sorry. Sorry it took so long. I love it. Did you? Certainly. Certainly. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and the warden Salisbury? Yes. Clayton? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Contracts having to be signed, and food trucks having to pay a lot of money. Rumblings. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you all. Very nice. All right, back to our normally scheduled program here. We have uh, our final presentation uh, for this evening, Mr. Steve Chanley, our Director of Parks and Recreation, for his uh, Parks and Recreation update. All right. Thank you. And we have a um, presentation on the screen. It's also in your book, tab six, item three, pages 24 through 46. So Steve, take it away. Thank you all very much for uh, inviting me here to give you a quick update. Again, this is just a, a compilation of a variety of our uh, programs and activities that we've done. It's not the, the full thing. I'd be here all night, and I know time is of the essence, so uh, we'll get through it. So again, just to, to first start out, uh, just some big projects that we've completed. Uh, this is the bat's neck inline rink, and as you can see on the left, what it used to look like, and now you can see on the, on the wow. right and also on the bottom what it looks like when it's been completed. Got people out there utilizing that uh, project. It's been good. It's, um, we're looking to do some, uh, some more programming out there and getting some more user groups um, to utilize. The, uh, uh, the next project is up north in Southersville. Um, what's unique about this is this is the first um, amenity of its kind in, in the county, the futsal um, soccer uh, facility. Um, if you don't mind, if we could just click on that link, it's a little 30-second blurb, which really kind of shows, and i got to thank QAC-TV for um, uh, putting that uh, blurb together. If they're able to. Basically what it does, it shows what the park looked like, um, how it's come about, and just to kind of see some of the changes, and I think that's important that um, everybody sees where we where we came from and where we are today. We're not. Yeah, you can do it on that one. Just go ahead and uh, there we go. Amenities. The past few months have seen Sellersville Park renovated from cracked pavement and faded lines to beautiful new tennis and basketball courts, and have also brought along the addition of futsal and pickleball courts to the area. All the courts are now open, and Sellersville Park, along with the Queens County Parks and Recreation Department, invite you to visit today. Okay, you can see what it looked like, and you know, all, all the amenities that went to it, and it really makes that pop, um, that park pop out um, tremendously. 
great addition. We're getting you know good use out of those facilities up there. Um, skate park, uh, it's still on track to uh, have construction starting in April. Uh, we're looking for that to be an eight to 12 week construction uh, time period. Um, I think that's gonna be probably, you know, it's a really exciting project and really, you know, excited about getting that done. We've got a lot of uh, uh, support for that. Um, here's a, uh, a map of um, our Kent Island South Trail uh, that we're working on. Um, you'll see phase one and phase two in red. That's what we're currently uh, working on phase one. We just got our permits for that. We're waiting for the ground to, to dry up so we can get in there and begin to do some work. Um, I think the timing's going to be right once we do um, phase one. Uh, phase two, we'll have all our permits in order for that to jump in and then just continue to work on. The, uh, the verbiage up there, November, December 2024, that's actually a typo, so just disregard that. Uh, we're looking to uh, start construction, like I said, as soon as the weather pops. Uh, and that's just another view of how it runs from, um, from your left on Mattapeak. Um, clubhouse all the way up to um, beyond the target towards um, uh, gosh, what's the Cracker Barrel towards Cracker Barrel. So that's where we're looking to go uh, with that project. Um, we're looking to at some point in time try to renovate the Mattapique Beach uh, Comfort Station. Um, that's something that has uh, been in the works for a, for a little bit. We've run into a, a few new standards there. Uh, but we're working through that and we're hoping in the fall um, we'll be able to do some uh, actual uh, construction with that. We'll still continue with what we have this year. Uh, Catanera's East Trail, um, we're getting ready to go to construction on that in the summer of 2024. So we're moving uh, forward on that. Um, the War of 1812, as you all know, um, those uh, informational uh, kiosks have been completely obliterated by the sun. Um, so we've been trying to get all the correct wording on there, all the names that are on there, make sure we redo it correctly. Um, so we've gone back and forth with uh, the National Park Service, um, working with them. I think we're gonna try to get um, a small grant out of that to, to help with um, getting those refurbished. We just got the proofs back on all of the, uh, the signs. And again, we're looking to be able to do something in early spring to get that up to, uh, up to snuff and, and redo everything. Um, the uh, Kent Island High School hazardous, uh, Hazard Identification Beacon, which you guys approved at the last meeting, um, we're working on that. Uh, we're working with the uh, Garden Club uh, to do a commemorative tree dedication uh, down at the uh, Fallen Heroes Memorial on Arbor Day. Uh, Ferry Point, we worked um, with the 11th House uh, grant group to put in uh, for a grant with DNR to uh, do some shoreline restoration and habitat enhancement uh, out at Ferry, Park, Ferry Point Park. Um, we won't find anything out until probably the summer. And if we are successful in getting the grant, we will uh, begin to try to go to construction in the late fall and winter of this coming year. Uh, continuing on with the, the theme of uh, the trails, um, with the Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee, the BPAC, uh, we're working with um, Steve Cahoon from DPW and um, Kimley Horn, our contractor, on uh, putting together a pedestrian and bicycle master plan. Uh, they are almost finished and we're hoping to have their final uh, report by March where they would come to you guys and give, give their 
give you um, their presentation of what you know they have come from with the study. Um, summer, even though it's still cold out, uh, it's already time to think about summer. We just opened up our registrations for our summer camps. Um, you can see the four sites that uh, we'll be offering camps this year. Um, we're finishing up our leagues, our youth basketball. Um, started back in December. Uh, we had 87 teams, uh, 77 in the county, 10 from Kent County, total of uh, 736 uh, county <coughs> Youth indoor soccer, again, 53 teams, 550 kids have participated. Um, we got a new program, or actually it's an old program that we brought back, is uh, the Kent Island Wrestling Program. They're, they're called the Bay Dogs Wrestling. Um, so we've got uh, 25 kids participating in that from 6 to 13 years. Nice to be able to have uh, some new programs uh, involved. And again, uh, we just uh, connected back up with Character Counts. Uh, we're trying to incorporate that into our youth sports, um, which I think is well needed for uh, <laughs> towards the, the mercy officials. of umpires. Towards the officials. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's a very important part, so I think it's a good aspect to add to our, to our program. All of them. For all of them. Respect. Not, not oh. just for baseball. Either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, athletic field coordination, we had our um, uh, spring meeting just uh, at the end of February. Everybody had, <clears throat> excuse me, put in their request by uh, February 15th. Uh, as of this writing here, for 2024, we've uh, got 805 hours requested of artificial turf time. And you can see it broken down there. And we can cover that? We will. Oh yeah, we can cover that. <laughs> uh, but as you can see, there's the um, the breakdown, and we still have more hours to dedicate to that. So we were still allocating. So not all of the hours have been been pushed out. But again, that just goes to show that you know, again, it's working. It's popular, and people are taking advantage of the amenity that that we have. Uh, we've got three uh, tournaments uh, booked for 2024: ESP uh, uh, Black Sox um, in April. We've got the USSA um, softball in June, which will bring, I th if I'm not mistaken, last year they had about 50 teams that were here. Um, great turnout, um, good, excuse me, good group to work with. And then we have our own Parks and Recreation Baseball Tournament um, uh, in June this year as well. Um, and obviously, as everybody knows, the, uh, uh, the popularity of pickleball, we've got 364 hours rented on pickleball courts. So That baseball term, that's the bash on the bay? That's the bash on the bay, which is actually uh, the next slide. Oh. So this will go into um, recreation. Uh, this is a picture of uh, an event we did um, in December. It's called the Jingle Jubilee at uh, Mattapee Clubhouse. Uh, we had the middle school um, choir. The, uh, visit Santa. We had a bunch of vendors, not only food vendors, but we also had craft vendors there as well well-attended event. It started at 3 o'clock, and usually most people are late. At 3 o'clock when we open up the doors, we had 250 people walk through the door within 10 minutes. So, you know, word got out there. It was something that was, was new and different for us, and uh, it was well-received. Uh, something new that we put together um, is an outdoor program guide, um, and it's just a variety of different outdoor activities throughout, um, throughout our parks. Um, it's hard to see, the type is a little bit small, but again, this is something new that we're getting into is more and more interpretive programming. A um, couple of uh, other big things that uh, we're doing, 
Um, on the left-hand side, you see the My Profile and Activities. We're in the process of getting a registration app for, for your phones, for the system that we have. Right now, currently, if someone wants to register for a program, they have to either go to their office or they have to go home to their, to their laptop and go on, online and do it from there. This way, they can do it at, um, you know, wherever they are when they remember, when they're at practices and things like that. So it's, you know, it's an application that is definitely needed, and I think it will ease with um, registration, especially as summer camps are coming up. Um, as you guys talked about the Bash by the Bay, and that's the, um, uh, the middle uh, picture there. Again, 11U, 12U, 13U, and 14U. Um, we'll be doing it between um, about 18, White Marsh. Bless you. Thank and, you. Um, uh, the high schools. Uh, we just, this past weekend, we had Pauline and Love, um, an event for dogs, dogs and their owners. <laughs> so, um, well received. Again, you know, you got food vendors, pictures, <coughs> activities going on there. So, again, it's a little variety and trying to utilize all of our parks in a, in a different manner. Park rangers, um, you know, again, their busy time is in the summer, but now, you know, they, they assisted with not only the storm uh, damage cleanup, but they also helped with snow removal and also with the guide that uh, you previously saw. Um, they put together some of those programs there. Public landings. Um, we took a hit with a couple of the storms. Uh, we had to close down uh, Roman Cook for about a day or two just because, you know, boards got blown out. Um, but we were able to get it back up in about two days. We're still working on Crumpton and Deep Landing uh, projects. Uh, we've been going back and forth with the, um, uh, the engineering firm. Uh, we're looking for, um, you know, a fall to late winter uh, construction time. So, any luck. Um, and then House Bill uh, 0293. Um, this is a uh, abandoned or sunken recreation vessel. Uh, we've been uh, deeply involved with that. Commissioner Corcorino um, has been helping with, uh, with that. Um, so we're hoping to get some, uh, some legs on that, uh, that program. Public Rangers is also looking to put together some new sign. You know, the signs that they have there are dated. Um, they're also you know, beginning to look dilapidated. So again, we want to not only update them with the current fees as prices have changed, but we also added some more uh, graphics, which are down at the, the bottom. The airport, not a whole lot to say about that, except for the project is done. Um, I don't have a completed aerial. <laughs> I'll have to ask Linda to take that picture for me. But again, the, uh, the entire airport is now connected to public water and sewer. The blue hangar underwent renovation. Um, again, the runway rehab project was done. Um, so they've, they are up to snuff and looking um, good. They're in a good position right now. Same thing with Blue Heron Golf Course. You know, they got um, both uh, the front nine and the back nine, their cart pass taken care of, which we think is gonna be able to increase play on days that are damp in the spring. So you can go cart path only and you'll still be able to get rounds in. Um, but they're also, you know, looking, to, looking forward to warm weather, their camps or clinics and their leagues. So all in all, we are doing great. And again, just wanted to thank you all for your support and um, if I would have known Kathy was going to do a budget commercial, I would have come more prepared and <laughs> threw something in on that. But again, thank you for everything. So, I can't imagine you would need anything in this next budget cycle. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> but again, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. All right.
Okay, commissioners, now we can move into some action items. Uh, first, or next, we have the Department of Public Works. So if you want to turn over to tab number two. The first I am item. assuming by the first action item that he's not aware that the roof isn't done out there. Yet. Uh, <laughs> All right. He did say everything was done. So. Almost everything. So Director Chanley mentioned the uh, Bay Bridge Airport hangar. So tab two, item one, pages one through two, is in fact the Bay Bridge Airport hangar roof retrofit contract award. And uh, DPW did submit uh, proposals out for bid. They received one, two, three, four, five proposals, five contracts ranging from 184625 to $309,992. And they are recommending award to Vertex Roofing Contractors of Manassas, Virginia, the low bid. So can I get a motion on that? I move I to award the Bay Bridge Airport hangar roof retrofit contract to Vertex Roofing Contractors of Manassas, Virginia in the amount of $184,625 and authorize the Director of Public Works to issue notice of award and execute the contract on behalf of the County Commissioners. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. Hmm. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, item number two, well, actually, actually, we need to convene as the Roads Board next. Motion to convene as the Roads Board. Okay. All in favor? Aye. Aye. There we go. So item number two on pages three through 18, this is um, a follow-up to the public hearing that we held on January 31st, Maryland Road and a portion of Elm Street, special benefit assessment for road improvements. Uh, potentially, if you want to make a decision on that uh, project tonight, and Shane's got some statistics here. Um, I don't know that we received any additional public comments since. Oh, we got two more. Okay, if you want. Two more in part. favor. In favor. So seven in favor, five opposed, and one that testified to concerns but didn't go either way with opposed or in favor of the project. So like 13 total then out of 41. Well, plus the survey. Six. 46. Is that a good sampling? I'm not sure. The information meeting um, had, a, had a higher attendance, and there was more of a, a push from citizens emailing and calling after the meeting. So that total was 15 against 13-4 at that time. I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but i really like to see the price come down like we talked about at night, just somehow, some way. I know we can try to do something for that. It just seems exorbitant compared what, to the other. What were the what were the uh, eleven thousand? Eleven thousand. And then the the other one was two. That's a lump sum. Eleven thousand and change, or eleven thousand four hundred thirteen, I believe. And the yearly cost would have been nine hundred fifteen. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Nine hundred fifteen is right. Yeah. We tried to get. We were. We were talking about trying to get that down. That the um, the twelve year note to be at eight thousand. Well, what was this, the, the second highest that we talked about that night? What was it, Shane? The, the second highest road assessment that we had prior to that. Prior to that? Yeah. Was it around 9,000 or something? Or was it less than that? At uh, uh, 7,000, almost, well, estimated currently for Virginia, 7,800. Um, 7, and uh, the South Carolina in 2007 was estimated at over eight, but that, that project didn't go. Right. 
Project Maryland didn't go in 2007, those, and that was, and of course the recession hit. And, and that would have been a 10 year, not 20 year. Those were 10 year. Yeah. I did submit a, a bond bill request to the General Assembly for 250,000. We may get some or a portion of that, but we won't know for probably maybe another month or so. Um, so that's a possibility. When do you, well. when do you, when's the drop dead date that you need to know by? Or is there one? Isn't a drop there isn't. Well, I wouldn't even, uh, well, I mean, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to cap it, let's just cap it. I mean, we can cap it at 9,000. That's what I'm saying. I, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'm good with moving. It has to be done. It's the worst Absolutely. road up there. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it's the worst road in that I whole entire community. Bad. So, um, but yeah, I'd rather cap it. I feel more comfortable capping it somewhere. All right, well, then I'll, I'll make a motion. I move to approve the Maryland Road, including a portion of Elm Street, special assessment road improvement project, capping it at $9,000 per homeowner. I mean, we won't Second, know the per, actual per cost until the project is completed. Right. Excuse me? We you know won't know the now. actual cost of the project until well, it's 100% completed. Either way, it's not going to be more than $9,000 for anybody that, any homeowner on that stretch of land there. The county will pick the rest up. The Second words. Excuse me? That was the magic words we were waiting for you to say. What was your magic word? You're going to pick up the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the motion's to move forward, so you know it's got to come from somewhere. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> it's yeah. now 17 grand. Is that what you're here to say? <laughs> second. So, okay. So Discussion. We have, Go ahead. So we have a motion and a second. So on those previous projects, Shane, <clears throat> where, where you estimated X number of dollars that was presented to those homeowners, and then, but it's always that little caveat of, Okay, you know, this is what we're predicting. It's going to be somewhere around, but it could be more, it could be less. How often have you been pretty much right on with? Uh, we're typically under. Uh, there was a spreadsheet that went around before right. the, the yep. hearing. Yeah. Um, I think the two that went over back were Wacomico was a little over, New Jersey was a little over, and um, North Lake was a little over. The, the very first three projects we did in Canada States, and most of that came from chasing drainage. After we taken the road over and started the design process, then the homeowners came out with, I have water in my backyard, I have this, and we would chase that, trying to get all the drainage concerns of every oh, homeowner, okay. and we spent a lot of time doing that, a lot of money for staff to okay. sit there and wrench everything out. And, and we tried to encourage people in the information meetings now to give us that information in the information meeting so we can start looking at it. What do we, what should we, how we change the plan? Because we really don't do a full-blown survey and design until right, right. project. Like you said, this one is ditch intensive, where the other ones, because you got to widen it, so you're cutting a lot more yeah. out. It's, yeah. Well, it is one of the most narrow roads in there, and it's in more, it's in the worst shape the most. Sure. So this is going to be a very expensive project. Short of <laughs> if if we do Beach Road, Beach Road will certainly be the most expensive, being with a 650 foot causeway with a revetment. That's going to be very expensive to do. But Maryland is is going to be expensive, and then as we we move towards the roads in Romacoke, um, the the Tui, the Margaret, the ones that have never had any improvements done to them, they will also be very expensive when they, if if we ever do those. Oh, I have. Good. All right. we, a, we have a motion and a second to approve Maryland Road, including portion of Elm Street Special Assessment Road Improvement Project, capping it at nine thousand dollars per homeowner. Uh, all those Property. in favor. For property, property, thank you. And some of them are empty, right. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? So moved. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, item number three on pages 19 through 23 is uh, 
uh, systematic replacement of a tractor trailer truck and this is for the purchase of one Kenworth T880 tractor from Kenworth Mid-Atlantic in the amount of $206,627.14 via the pre-established Sourcewell government contract. I move to purchase one Kenworth T880 tractor from All Roads Trucks, Ken, Ken, uh, Kenworth Mid-Atlantic-Delmarva of Dover, Delaware in the amount of $206,627.14 via the Sourcewell contract number 060920-KTC. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. Item number four on pages 24 through 32 is uh, the systematic replacement of equipment. This is for a six-wheel dump truck, uh, recommending a purchase of one freight liner six-wheel dump truck from National Auto Fleet of Watsonville, that California, uh, in the amount of $225,285 via the source well contract. I move to purchase one freight liner. Uh 1080 SD six wheel dump truck from National Auto Fleet of Watsonville, California, in the amount of $225,285 via the source will contract 060920NAF. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? How long will it take to get this unit? They haven't given us a firm date yet. Huh? They haven't given us a firm date yet. We just, we just got one truck in that took close to two years to get. It's getting a little faster. It's going to be a while, okay. at least six months. I see you shaking your head, Alex. Hard to believe what the stuff costs anymore. I know it. Hmm. I think I bought a truck 12 years ago for $100,000 less than that same truck. Really? Wow. See, you, any estimates it's coming down lower? I mean, what's, I mean, no. no, no, no. I don't think they're going back up. I mean, no. No 2024s laying around? 2023s? Uh, we had to go this far out to this particular group because they can still order trucks. Local companies can't, they don't, have the pa they don't have the room to order new trucks. That's part of the problem. And this estimate, I mean, this uh, price does include, we did move to stainless steel bodies a while back because they, the, old, the old bodies just rust out too fast. As a matter of fact, when replacing, they can't find good places to weld and patch anymore. <laughs> They're rusted out from, you know, sand, salt mix from during snowstorms. How many miles on that one? 205. Yeah. Where's that Centerville Fire Department installation? Fire trucks are three to four years out. You're what? Three to four years on getting the fire truck oh, yeah, in yeah, order. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I see that there. They're custom built down to the last nut and bolt. So. All right. This is to purchase one Freightliner 108 SD six wheel dump truck from National Auto Fleet of Watsonville, California, in the amount of two hundred twenty-five thousand. $285 via the source well contract number 060920-NAF. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Done? Uh, no, we're not. not, yet, not oh, yet. that's right. We got that. That's all. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. That's all for public works. Unless you had any other questions for these gentlemen while they're still here. Nothing? Probably do, but I can't think of it because. Okay. <laughs> Quick. It's been a rough get day. Out. It's been a rough day. <laughs> yeah. As, Thanks, they, as they run through right. the door. Thank you, guys. See you, guys. <laughs> All right, uh, commissioners, we have. Uh
about 10 action items left. Um, these are should yeah. go fairly quickly. Uh, we have four desk quick. items. We have four desks, but they're going to go. I'm going to put them together, Jim. Don't you nine. worry. Nine. We did the first one already. So you if you want to turn to tab number three, please. Tab three, uh, item two, uh, on pages two through ten, is um, an amended plat of open space. Uh, this is oh, legal yeah. documents for uh, Mr. Edwin Yo Edward Yoder. It's a second amended deed of open space easement. He is requesting to amend uh, the deed restricted open space to the current code regulations by reducing his overall amount from 294 acres to uh, just under 17 acres, which supports the two cluster lots uh, that he has on that property. And Planning and Zoning is recommending that the execution of those uh, legal documents. I move to execute the amended deed of open space easement for the W. Edward Yoder amended amendment plat. Second. A motion and second. Any discussion? Good. Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Item three on pages 11 through 17. This is a, uh, a private road name request. This one's a little unusual. Uh, this property owner submitted a request to name his private, it's really his, his driveway to his residence. He wants to name it uh, Hidden Hollow Lane. He currently resides on Coon Run Lane, which is a small private road off of Coon Box Road. Um, his private lane or driveway is not, has not been previously named. Um, this uh, it, it, the it's for business too. I think he's yes. Right yeah, he does have a business. He submitted a um, you know a letter. Uh, I move to approve the request to name private driveway, which is located on Coon Run Lane, to Hidden Hollow Lane. Second. We got a motion and a second. Got a second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Done. Right. Item four on pages 18 through 36. Uh, this is the Royal Legacy Agreement of Sale and the Project Agreement for Edward Price. This is a 51.71 acre property owned by Mr. Price located within the Foreman Branch Royal Legacy area. It is ready to be submitted to the Maryland Department of Natural Let's Resources for review and final I move approval. to execute the Royal Legacy Agreement of Sale and Project Agreement for the Edward A. Price property. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Good Good job, Donna. Donna. Thanks for coming. Donna's been here for three he hours. He just kicked me under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask a question, but I'll email you. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Item five on pages 37 let you go an hour ago. We have uh, the National Association of Counties membership dues for. I move to approve the so. National Association of Counties membership dues in the amount of $896. Second. It's, it's you got a, a motion and a second. Any discussion? <laughs> Don't spend it on one spot. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Uh, item six uh, the Kent Island Federation and of Arts grant submission. support for the Kent Island Federation of Arts for their grant submission for group replacement. On the building located at 405 Main Street, St. Stephenville. Second. We got a motion and a second. Any discussion? See, hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Uh oh. Going to desktop. One. All right, we have one four. motion. One motion. We have several letters. We have several letters, letters but I'm going to make them and I'm going to say yeah. So I'm, I'm going to make a motion to uh, <clears throat> sign letters. First one is in support of House Bill 940, which deals with uh, the use of impact fees for capital cost replacement, maintenance, expansion of public works. 
Also would like to sign uh, or sign a letter of opposition for House Bill 1407, which you heard about earlier this evening, which has to do with basically preempting all solar uh, planning and zoning locally and gives it over to the Public Service Commission. I'd like to uh, sign a letter of support for House Bill 461, which is the one that uh, Director Chanley just spoke of for the DNR for removal of boats from unwarranted pylons. And finally, would like to sign a letter of support for Senate Bill 674, uh, which is the Senate Companion Bill for House Bill 1461. Second. We have a motion and a second on these four letters. Any discussion? Being none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, that is all the business we had this evening, commissioners. We have press and public comment. Don't even bother reading it. Anything on, online? Round table. Uh, we'll start with the sharp dressed uh, district four guy over there. Me? Yeah, you. Oh, come on. Right. Me, come on. You know it's you. Just out of curiosity, where do you keep the batteries for that jacket? <laughs> this? Where are the batteries? Is it you plug it in every Your night? jealousy is, is, is evident to everybody on QAC TV watching us right that's now. That's like a heated hey, Phil, That's why I'm doing All this. of the viewership is. is Phil, don't be a Travis Kelsey. Oh, that's right. <laughs> there you go. Just like that, he did it. All right. Um, so, the Kedon High School varsity dance team has qualified for states this year. And last year, they qualified for states. And while the commissioners supported our basketball team and our football team with a ride to their state's competition, we neglected to do that for the varsity dance team, which got me in particular hot water with one of the members Ooh. and her mother. It happens to be. Huh? Maybe related. <laughs> so I can't you know, ask us to do that, but maybe someone else could ask us to make sure we make it right this year. A resident Ken Island High School sports booster past president and all that stuff. Chris, I'll take care of it. Got it? <laughs> yeah, okay. Got it. What? You got it? I got it. All right, so we're going to direct How many the administrator. How many uh, members? Don't ask me questions I don't know the answers to on a, on a TV screen. I'm going to get in trouble now. For I, I'm already trying to dig out from being in trouble. You're trying to get me in more trouble. A lot of very talented members who do excellent dances, and if you'd like to learn more about their dances, you can check them out on their Facebook page. They have the videos of the dance moves they do. They just won a whole bunch of first places at the last competition they were at over the weekend. They're excellent. Outstanding, and congratulations yes. to the whole team. So I don't want to be in trouble again. Okay, you got it done. He's got the stretch limo, the neon lights, the whole thing. <laughs> the jet, that's right. <laughs> just gonna wrap it in his jacket. <laughs> so here they come. That's it, you're done? No. Um, you're gonna talk about the no, you can open house. No. The other one, I think we'll wait until we get more information. But are we going to talk about the open house? Do we pick a day? Uh, don't you think you two should rehearse? Ramp? The ramp yeah, open I'm, house. I'm drawing blanks on everything you're talking about. And what you talk house? about it. Open house for the ramps. Oh, 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 no. Yes, you're you're going to talk about that? No, no, you can. Come on, man. You, you, town hall meeting. Town hall meeting. Oh, sorry, town, town hall. hall. Yeah. Okay, so. I'm thinking about town for the the. Yeah. Commissioner Moran and I have had discussions with State Highway about the, the Bridge to Bleach uh, ramp management program. Um, and one of the things we had promised all the citizens is once we got some more information, we would have 
an open house town hall uh, to share some of the information from that study, give everybody a chance, the businesses and the citizens, to give us their feedback on that. And we have lined up the state to come to the county when we're doing that state highway. It's going to be April April 10th. April 10th at Bayside Elementary School. Bayside Elementary School. 6:30. At starting at 6:30. So we'll have, I think the way it's going to be, there'll be uh, an informational portion. We do sort of presentation of where we are and mm -hmm. how we got there, um, and then there'll I think maybe some booths set up for information. But come in and come out um, as your as your available citizens and get some more information. On that, the the state is willing to entertain doing the uh, the ramp management program again in the summertime. Um, and so this is an opportunity for the citizens to give us their feedback on that. To do it as a pilot. Definitely, definitely need to come. Uh, there's going to be a question and answer portion of it. The state's going to be there. We're going to have the, you know, what do we call the whiteboards? The, um, no. Informational things? Yeah, Informational you know, they're going to have yeah. them all. Graphics. All, yeah, excuse gra me? Graphics. Graphics. The graphics. Thank you. All the way around in there, so, and, and there to answer questions on what we've already done what went wrong, what went right, and then uh, we'll make a presentation uh, basically telling you what we legally can do and what we can't do and why we want to do it and, and move forward from there and ask everybody to, for a little more patience and see what happens this coming summer uh, to keep things moving through Kent Island. What else you got? What was the other thing you were trying to say? I think that's all I had. That's all you had? Yeah. All right, well then, let's uh, see, that was four. Jack. Oh, Valentine's Day, uh, make sure you guys pick up flowers tomorrow. Don't, don't get in trouble when you get home. Just want to remind you. I don't have to. I look good. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I got to agree with you. I'm with you there. Jack, go ahead. You're next. I'm just still in awe of it, Jack. Uh, I'm telling you, yes. I'm telling you. I don't know what to say. Was, so Kelly, was Kelly awake when you left the house? She picked this out for me. Oh, yeah. She wants to make sure no Her ladies herself. look at me. Right. She didn't want any other women looking at you. <laughs> oh, that's cold. Um, now, actually, we touched on that that, that uh, solar bill was definitely one I was going to raise tonight because they uh, and just Annapolis in general's lost their bloody minds this yes. year. There is, you know, the first two weeks, three weeks was just so quiet, nothing really that just made you go, "What the hell are they doing over there?" But man, this last week the bill drop was just crazy, and the one we're going to review tomorrow is like 71 bills that are all. Uh, and you got to remember, Maryland Association of Counties, we only review bills that are directly going to affect the counties. That's not saying that's how many there were dropped this past week. That's just what will affect counties. And some of these, we reviewed on Monday night with the Rural County Coalition, and they, wow, I mean, just all different ways coming after uh, basically preempting and taking away whatever control the counties have on so many different things. Um, from cannabis siting to solar siting yeah. to use of farms. Uh, Jay brought up the other one about the- um, Spray irrigation. What, no, it actually has to deal with- wastewater the wastewater treatment in a- <clears throat> Well, it's, it's, it has, it's, it's kind of a, it's, and then, and then Caroline County with the rendering, the, the issues they're having with that, and they want to, you know, they want to be able to have local control where they site these things and all. It just, I don't know, and, and he made a great point, and I think it comes up a lot, is you know you have people over on that side of the bridge, and I'm, and, and I'm not faulting them, they just don't see what we deal with, and instead right. of listening to us and respecting what we're saying, and, and you know, I, one of the things that came to mind when Jay was talking is how much damage they've done to the watermen over the years, um, people that don't work on the water, don't know anything, but they enjoy the crabs and the oysters and everything else that the watermen produce, but yet they want to continue to- Overregulate. Overregulate them, put them in a box where 
eventually they're just not going to be able to survive, and, and that's going to be a shame since that is the second, uh, the, one of the two biggest and oldest industries in the, in the state besides the agriculture. Seal. Yeah, it's right on the seal, right? Yep. So, um, again, hopefully, you know, uh, one thing that does happen in Naples that I have learned being over there is that, that a lot of this stuff, is there's a lot of fanfare when it comes out, but a lot of times it'll die. Common sense will prevail, sure, hopefully, so. and on a lot of this, yes, we, we're definitely hoping that that solar bill is the worst bill. I said it last year when that one came out last year where they were trying to preempt this, and I said that was the camel's nose under the tent. This is the camel and the entire circus coming this year. I mean, this basically shuts us out as a county. So hopefully we can uh, testify for that. And another good news, one of the MAKO initiatives this year, and um, just got it out to our fire departments, is they're pushing to um, expand uh, for recruitment and retention for our local volunteers and statewide firefighters in general to offer up a um, for scholarships or not well scholarships and daycare for volunteers so that they can their kids if, they, if you get in young you can um, go to college and you'll have your tuition reimbursed at community college level um, and you stay as an active firefighter which I think is a great program It'll, it should hopefully will entice more 17, 18, 19 year old kids to stay within the local volunteers and that gives us a constant pipeline and the daycare. Everybody doesn't think about but when, when you're a volunteer firefighter, if you know you're say you're a single parent and you want to be a volunteer firefighter, you're really limited because if you've got kids at home, you can't run out on a call, but this is going to take care of paying costs for childcare for the volunteers and the paid firefighters when they do have to leave their families or, or whatever if, if that situation arises. So it's a great bill. Um, and I think it's going to get support and knock on wood, I think it may make it through, which it, it will definitely help us in the volunteer ranks um, to get some more people in the doors and support our volunteers here. So looking forward to that one. Cool. That's it. Patrick? Like Candy Crush or what do you uh, there's, <laughs> there's, uh... <laughs> That was a quick uh, A young lady just got her um, firefighter one, and I'm trying to find her name. I, oh. saw, I saw her on Facebook, and yeah. I just wanted oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to give her a shout out, and I don't have it. Okay. But um, I believe it's Churchill. It is. Yep. It is. McGraw? Yep. Thank you. Yeah, so congratulations to um, firefighter McGraw for passing and uh, becoming a great part of our county. We're very appreciative of you going out of your way to do that for us. And I got a chance to play my first pickleball game at the Y. Oh, they so, sent you in, huh? <laughs> no wonder you walked in it's, here. It's no wonder you walked in here a little slow. Good news is they I had a it. spine adjustment <laughs> in the locker room. They, they found out a commissioner was coming, so they videoed it. So <laughs> we'll, have that, we'll have that up next, it next was, meeting. It was fun. Is the technology center done for the year or done, done? Just for the Chesapeake College. College. Yeah, right now, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's gonna get funded this year. No, I, but I, I don't see possibility it could. Honestly, this year's budget, they put money back in that won't be in next year's budget. Uh, specifically, the highway user revenues, they put 150 million back in, but it's a one-time injection, so I, it doesn't look good. Put it that way. Um, and well, the Cade is still out. They've still cut the community colleges operational Which right now. Which makes zero sense. It does, and, and, but, and there's a lot of people from all walks of life, all counties are up in arms over that one, is because that affects every community, um, large and small counties. The city, everybody gets affected by that. And 
in this day and age, that's the most ridiculous thing you could do. So, but yeah. But yeah, it doesn't look like our RTC is looking good for this budget cycle, but hopefully, you know, we, we do have our delegates working to try to get it back in the budget, but again, hold out hope, maybe. Good. Philippe? Um, so, uh, Commissioner Moran uh, and his lovely wife, Mary Beth, and myself and my wife, Tammy, attended the uh, Ken Island Volunteer Fire Department induction of officers and award ceremony. Uh, and I would like just to remind, since we were on the subject matter of volunteers, that how fortunate we are that we have the volunteers that we have in our nine uh, houses that we have here in the county. Um, you don't want to even know what you would be looking at cost-wise if we went to a career paid program. So whenever you have those opportunities, the firehouses come to you for fundraising events, please step up and help them out. Um, then um, just a little footnote coming right around the corner in the next month and a half is um, the shriek wrap program that we did. So you talk about um, all these boats in the wintertime that are covered in that pretty white plastic that uh, protects your boat in the wintertime. Uh, that all has to come off and there's a, uh, and if we don't have these programs like the shriek wrap program, they would end up in our landfills. So um, just be on the lookout. I'll have some more information about that and I'll be looking to my fellow commissioners to help uh, with the purchase of those special bags used when that plastic comes off these boats. Um, we're working with the Maryland uh, Marine Trade Association with this program and uh, folks at Plastic Free Queen Anne's, um, but more to come. Just keep that in the back of your mind. So for the firefighters, since you gave them a shout out for the fundraising, uh, Kent Island Fire Department has a gun bash on April 6th. Mm -hmm. And right here locally, Centerville has their cash bash on April. the 27th. 3rd April? It's 27th. First Saturday in April? Yeah, first and last Saturday of April. So Kent Island on the first Saturday and here in Centerville, get your tickets. Um, I think it's a hundred, uh, $60 for a gun bash ticket and $100 brings two guests into the cash bash. Cool. Done. That's all the PSAs we got. All right, well, let's see here. We, we, we talked about the, uh, the ramp. Uh, program already uh, in the open house. Uh, I, you know, I just want to reiterate uh, what's going on in Annapolis, uh, especially when it comes to solar. Uh, everybody's in a mad rush to get all this renewable energy, but I don't think they're putting a lot of thought into it on transmission and storage and, and where it's going to go. And that being said, the big push right now in Annapolis is on these bills is to remove our rights as a county as to where these solar arrays can go. They want to be able to put them wherever they can cut the deal, and they want to remove the buffers that we now put around our, our solar arrays for the, for the public. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, they're going to want to remove our personal property tax on it. So it's, it, it's a struggle, uh, and we know it's coming to the eastern shore because on the western shore, too many hills and too many trees and too many buildings. And when you're talking about four to 800 acre solar, mega solar farms, where there's corn growing now, or not growing now, but flat land, it's, you know, pack them and stack them uh, and to get these things done. So, you know, hopefully cooler heads will prevail and, and you know, the, the quality of life on the Eastern Shore won't be destroyed by thousands and thousands of acres of solar rays. Uh, another thing that's, that's happened is uh, the Eastern, new uh, University of Maryland hospital 
is uh, been approved uh, through the agency that says how many beds you're allowed to have, and, and that was a huge step. And uh, they've got a hundred million from uh, commitment from the state of Maryland to start construction. And we've been approached, myself and Commissioner Corcorino, uh, looking for uh, support from the five regional counties and there's going to be a, a fundraising uh, aspect to it uh, to raise $50 million between the five counties and, and the private citizens. So the commissioners will be taking that into account to, you know, to discuss uh, how much that we feel we should be putting in. But uh, I think the project is, is long overdue. It's, it's going to be huge for Queen Anne's County. No longer you're sitting in that traffic to get over the bridge and even getting over the bridge in Anne Arundel County. Uh, Anne Arundel Generals is lately had a, a tough time handling the uh, capacity and the traffic going there. So uh, they're on track to open by 2028, and uh, let's hope they do. And looking forward to that. And um, I think people need to see us, but that is when you have when you're trying to attract quality health care, mm -hmm. right? The new facility that's the, the you know shiny new object. You will attract much better quality medical professionals. Absolutely to that and then they'll have the residency programs so the residents will be going through there who then would leave and open up practices in this area so not just the hospital but people who say they have a hard time getting doctor's appointments for various specialties here in Queen Anne's County it would be a feeder um, yeah. to have more doctors like that so the the, the effects of it is huge, huge for healthcare, and, and that's the whole purpose behind what the uh, University of Maryland's been doing if you notice, we have our emergency room at Nesbitt that uh, is running well over what they ever anticipated. And they've built the same thing in Cambridge, uh, in, in Easton, and in other locations. And they're considered like a spoke. And what the, the part they've been missing is the hospital. So it's good to see that, that this is moving forward. And it's going to be just you know huge for the county. So uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with that. And What are they? What? What's the conversation around the old hospital? Because, I mean... Going to sell it, you know, somebody, a developer, somebody that's going to... You know, that's money they'll be able to recoup, a, recoup well, us. I mean, I'm just thinking, as, as dangle a carrot to trying to get the state even more engaged, is that, that would be a terrific mental health facility if they were to convert it after they were to move into a regular hospital. Because I've been in the hospital recently in the last two years, and it's not falling down around itself right. or anything. It's more mm -hmm. a matter of where it's located. But yeah. from a mental health facility standpoint, it would probably work well in that area you know what i mean because you know the traffic's not you're not you don't have ambulances coming in right. and out and all right. that kind of constant right. stuff so i mean i would just, i don't know i think it's just a good idea to maybe try to pitch it to the state and say hey look you can kill two birds with one stone we don't have a large-scale mental health facility on the shore we're working on that a lot more to come with that good but that's a good idea good. all right well that's all i got i'll make a motion to adjourn okay all in favor aye, aye. aye. thank you very much